I just had a moment. Give me a second. Oh, give, my goodness. give me a second. Give There's me a, a second. There, we're having a moment. There's a moment happening, people. This is just a moment in the basement. Our moment. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Yay! Yay! I am one of your hosts, Wendy, joined as always by my lovely and talented co-host, Melissa. Oh, very lovely, very talented, Melissa. And we this week we did a little bit of forethought. Amazing. And looked at our schedule, and Melissa, our schedule manager, was like, I've got it. We can record tonight. And then this should go up the actual Thursday of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving! So happy Thanksgiving, listeners. We, we hope you will be gorging yourself on vast amounts of delicious food or have gorged yourself on vast amounts of, of delicious food. Delicious I food. am already salivating at my Thanksgiving dinner. I love Thanksgiving. I am always so annoyed that Thanksgiving gets sort of Short shrift as we rush from Halloween to Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. Who doesn't love a holiday devoted to celebrating food? And, oh yeah, quote, family, whatever. I just want the mashed potatoes and the rolls, people. That's what I want. <laughs> the mashed potatoes and the rolls. See, I grew up, um, you know, first of all, I had way too much family to, to deal with because I came from various divorces. So I had like my mom's family and my dad's family and stepfather and stepmother and step step everything families. So any holiday meant going five different places. That's a fuckload of food. You know, it, yeah, and it's it's a lot of food. And Thanksgiving, a lot of Thanksgiving wound up being watching various relatives fight with each other. So you know, I had mixed feelings about it. But one of the traditions of Thanksgiving that I really liked was. For my mom's side of the family, we never have traditional Thanksgiving food. And it was always different every year. Like one year we had shrimp on the barbie. One year we did a, like a six-course Chinese meal. Fun. I mean, it was just different cuisine every single year. And so this this turkey and cranberry sauce sort of thing is kind of new to me. Uh, <laughs> see, one of my favorite meals ever is turkey mashed potato mashed potatoes roll. Mm. My husband jokes it's because it's so beautifully monochromatic, right? It's all well, just so nice and white. Very I, pale. Yeah, I don't yeah. do gravy. I like white meat. And so it's just this lovely white plate full of meat and carbs. It's the perfect windy meal. <laughs> I yeah, I'd mistake you for a Minnesotan with that plate. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. love it. So for me, I want the traditional meal. But my tradition... The family part of Thanksgiving has always been a non-starter, and so I've been shoved into family situations now that I'm married, and I am and I put up with them, or I was adopted for many years by friends when I was single, and mm -hmm. I lived on my own with no family nearby. But when I was a teenager with my mom, Thanksgiving was, we'd eat, and then we'd go out to movies. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, very so we, nice. we would go out to double or even triple features at the at the theaters, because... It was just the two of us, and we didn't have any real family obligations other than the two of us eating some food together. Mm -hmm. It was great. And it means that for me, if you don't watch a movie on Thanksgiving, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Usually there were movies after all of the hullabaloo, especially on Christmas. Especially well, on Christmas. Many, many years just to get the fuck away from all my families. <laughs> Christmas night, I'd go out to a movie. I very clearly remember seeing Titanic on Christmas night. 
Yeah. Not that Titanic... It, Titanic was great to see in the theater during the fury of Titanic when it was first in the theater. Uh, I also remember running out of gas that night and having to be rescued <laughs> roadside. I saw Beauty and the Beast one Thanksgiving. The mm. animated. The animated. It was a double feature, mm. but I don't remember what the other movie was. I do remember years later running into somebody that I had, I had met recently and we were, we were becoming friends. And as we were comparing stories, we realized we had both been in that theater watching the same double feature on that day. Nice. But we didn't know each other yet. It was one of those sort of, you know, telling stories of, oh, and on this Thanksgiving, it was Beauty and the Beast had just come out. We watched Beauty and the Beast and we went and watched this. And he's like, I did that that year. Which movie theater? And it's like, holy shit, we were in the same place at the same time. That's so exciting. Dude, 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 dude. So Thanksgiving is important because it's the beginning of the official Christmas movie season. After Thanksgiving, I'm allowed to watch Christmas movies. And I have a lot of Christmas movies to watch. And I don't always get through them, mm -hmm. right? I love White Christmas. I love Holiday Inn. Usually I only get one in each year. I find White Christmas to be very problematic. Oh, it is. But I love the costumes. Mm. And I love the dance set pieces. They're so ridiculous. Yeah. Plus, White Christmas has Danny Kaye. True. Right? All, always a plus. And Rosemary Clooney in that black dress singing, yeah. Love, you didn't do right by me. <laughs> With George Chakiris as one of her backup dancers, Bernardo from West Side Story. I feel like I need pop-up videos only with Wendy hovering over my shoulder while I watch any music. Look, it's George Chakiris right there with his arms, and he's all like, look at me with my cheekbones, mm, smolder, smolder. So, you, you know, and, and I have to watch Elf. Elf is my new classic. Mm -hmm. And I love, love actually... Although last, See, oh, I don't love Love Actually. I, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying different people have different reactions. For me, it hits a very good spot. It's also it also came out the year I got married, so I have an affection. And last year, I got together with my roller derby team, and we did the Love Actually drinking game. And what destroyed us was the turtlenecks. Oh, I had never noticed how many turtlenecks were in that movie until I had to drink every time I saw one. There were a fuckload of turtlenecks. But the best... There's a yurtle of turtlenecks. <laughs> and the best is the one dude who's in love with Kira Knightley. At one point, he's just in this sweater with a zipper front. He walks outside, zips it up, and it's suddenly a turtleneck. And we're all like, oh, mind blown. What just happened here? <laughs> We got oh so drunk, so drunk, which I know, listeners, is very unusual for you to picture. Hey, you know what? Speaking of which, we are getting so drunk. Uh, by the way, this is an even number episode, so... It's a tipsier episode. It's a tipsier episode. And it is tipsying all over me. I It just hit. It's yeah. great. Whew. Yeah, me too. So right now we are drinking Yellowtail Cabernet Sauvignon. Yellowtail, a very workmanlike wine. You can always depend on Yellowtail to get you where you're going. Yep, it, it's fruitier than the usual Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm still finishing off the last bottle, listeners. Yeah, but yeah it's... I'm, I'm going to dive in there and help Melissa out with that in a second. Yeah, you better, because... Oh, boy. Okay, so if you hadn't guessed, we're going to talk about holiday movies. First, we're going to start with Thanksgiving movies, because they get short shrift. Yeah! They really yeah. do. Thanksgiving does not... Just like in the cultural phenomenon thanksgiving does not get nearly as much love as christmas and then we're going to dive into non-traditional christmas right. films christmas films that maybe you hadn't realized were actually christmas films so when you're done watching a christmas carol or miracle on 34th street or it's a wonderful life and you want to cleanse your palate with something a little bit different we've got a whole list of films for you to consider that's what we're here for for you tonight because we love you and because it's Christmas, and we're givers. Well, it, it's Thanksgiving, and we're givers. It's Christmas! <laughs> God damn it, Wendy. The slipper socks! This is going to roll out at 9 a.m. on Thanksgiving. We don't want to scare the damn people. Slipper socks, medium! <laughs> Before we start, I would like to point out, It's a Wonderful Life Thanksgiving movie. It is. It is. It was made as a Thanksgiving movie. 
But it is actually at Christmas. It is at Christmas, but it came out at Thanksgiving. It was meant as a Thanksgiving movie. Okay, that's and fine. And that, that is all I will say about It's a Wonderful Life. Of the movies we've got here, the most traditional Thanksgiving movie is... Home for the Holidays. Which is a Jodie Foster-directed film starring Holly Hunter. Mm-hmm. Very quirky in her very quirky Holly Hunterness. And, of course, it has Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) I love that you love Robert Downey Jr. so much you married a (laughs) lookalike. It wasn't even intentional. I fell in love with him and then went, oh, you know what? This is an added bonus. (laughs) I love you, plus I can dress you up like Robert Downey Jr. But, you know, Holly Hunter... I need more Holly Hunter in my life. She's really fantastic. She's amazing. I mean, I watch movies with Holly Hunter in them, and I'm just like, you are so fucking likable. Mm-hmm. And real. She's very real. She's the best part. I mean, like, one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies is Raising Arizona. Yeah. Because her and Nicolas Cage are the perfect quirky couple. Yeah. Why doesn't she have a, a Nicolas Cage career right now? She should. She should. Because she does those amazing, quirky, weird rules and broadcast news broadcast news is brilliant so great so home for the holidays is your what's so funny is it's the story we all know and yet we looked up thanksgiving movies and it's the only story like it that has ever been put on film it's the i'm going home to my family at thanksgiving and my family is fucked up and i don't want to go and it's going to be awful and it's going to be awkward we're going to have that weird family member who's a little bit crazy and a little bit off there and we're gonna have to put up with each other and there's drama happening with everybody and we all are gonna put on a smile and pretend like we all love each other even though we're all kind of miserable and that's like four to five of my family's every holiday seriously yeah now all that said it's still actually a delightful movie oh yeah and the actual dinner scene yes. <laughs> is a masterpiece. Yeah. It is a masterpiece. Look Holly. at this cast. Anne Bancroft. I had forgotten Anne Bancroft. Oh. Anne Charles Bancroft. Durning were the parents. It had Dylan McDermott. Really? Yeah. No shit? Yeah. Oh. And of course, what's great is that Robert Downey Jr. is the black sheep brother because he's gay. And he got married on a beach, and it's so sweet. And how far we've come in the years since, because this was 1995, and he's a black sheep partially because he's gay. And, of course, now it's like, what what are you even doing? Mm -hmm. What are you even doing? Geraldine Chaplin, that's who plays the crazy aunt. All right, so leading to the next most obvious that I'm sure, you know, like Home for the Holidays is sort of the most obvious Thanksgiving, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Because they're trying to get home for Thanksgiving, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And forgive me, it's been a really long time since I've seen this movie. The thing I remember, well, first of all, I remember Steve Martin. I remember John Candy. They're brilliant. And I remember Steve Martin saying fuck a lot. And I remember those aren't pillows. <laughs> and I remember them going home. And I, re- I remember that lovely poignant scene after this long, crazy comedy that lovely scene in the train where Steve Martin realizes John Candy's situation. That is what I remember of the movie. That is the 30 seconds I remember of this movie. I only finally saw this movie like three years ago. Wow. I had never, it had never managed to cross my eyeballs for various reasons. I finally watched it. First off, no movie is going to live up to the hype at that point. Right. But that said, I can see why it is, I mean, it is exactly the movie you think it is, the tropes Mm -hmm. that are established, you know, it's like, oh, yep, I know what's going on here. Well, it's a road movie. It's a road movie. Yeah, it's a road movie. It's Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, only it's Steve Martin and John Candy, who let's, are seriously this generation's funny men. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. They're I wish wonderful. they'd done. I wish they'd done a whole series of road movies with those two. That would be <laughs> so much fun. Oh my god, that would be great. But it captures the melancholy of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah. is a very melancholy holiday. The, one of the few holidays we allow ourselves to be melancholy for home, for what home is supposed to be, and how often it's not, mm-hmm. and for what family is supposed to be, and so often it's not. Thanksgiving is a melancholy holiday that 
it's one of the few where we allow ourselves to feel that, that it's okay at Thanksgiving to acknowledge that very few of us actually get the Hallmark card right. of the holiday. Christmas, everybody has to pretend. <laughs> but Thanksgiving, we just, we eat our suffering with the mashed potatoes. Well, I got lucky because so much of my childhood was jettisoning family until it was just mom and me and we're like, excellent. Let's just go watch movies. <laughs> Great. Awesome. And then I got adopted by friends. And so it was just, let's just have fun. Great. And being adopted by other people is fantastic because it's not your tradition. So it doesn't need to mean anything to you. Mm -hmm. That's pretty okay. And, and what that brings me to, movie-wise, is Alice's Restaurant. Okay. Uh, which is the movie adaptation of the Arlo Guthrie song. They took a song and said, let's make a movie! Oh, to be fair, it's a 28-minute long song. But yeah, Seriously, that's an entire third of a movie. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know what? I never really liked the movie that much. But I feel like it fits thematically here. You know, it is a Thanksgiving movie, but it's also... Thanksgiving is the family you choose because it's it's a, basically about a group of friends who have been people together. more often or uh, adopt orphans at Thanksgiving. Yeah, and and also it it's also about you know jail and the draft, but <laughs> you know mostly it's about Thanksgiving. Well, and I, I get more invitations for just random orphans Thanksgiving. Like after you're done with your dinner at like one, yeah, come by our house for dinner at like seven, and this will just be family and friends. Mm -hmm. And it's the, now that you're done with the obligations, let's have fun. And and I will say that the Ellis's Restaurant song was actually part of my Thanksgiving tradition, as far as Thanksgiving traditions go. Traditions in my, in my life have never lasted more than a couple of years, really. Because it just... It just it's not a happy song. It, it's not a happy song, but the, but the thing is, KQRS would play it on Thanksgiving at, I think, 1 p.m. Every huh. single goddamn Thanksgiving. I don't think they do it anymore, but this happened for like 20 years in a row. You know what drives me crazy? And and you know what? I can recite Alice's Restaurant word for word. If I started right now, I could sing the whole damn thing. That's I do have it memorized. That's frightening. I know. All right, so let's, All right. let's move you through move the it, rest of these super it, quick it. for your consideration, mm -hmm. which is the... Um, uh, Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. Uh, Oscar nomination. Oscar it's thing. actually a Thanksgiving yep. movie. Yep. Grumpy Old Men. Yes. Yes. Thanksgiving scenes. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and, uh, and it, oh, here's an interesting one. The Last Waltz. Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz, which is a documentary about Bob Dylan's band, The Band, during their last performance, which took place on Thanksgiving Day. Hmm. That is a Thanksgiving movie, technically. So if you're more in the mood for a documentary... Yeah. There you go. It's an excellent documentary. It's one of the it's great It's Scorsese making a documentary about yeah. Bob Dylan's band. Yeah. It is one of the great performance documentaries. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's, right. it's fantastic. Very quickly, if you would like to be depressed <laughs> during your holidays. Depressed? Dep not just depressed. Dep depressed. Because I watched the, the Ice Fucking Storm. Oh, oh. my God. The Ice Storm. It's brilliant. It's Ang Lee's first American feature film. Mm -hmm. It is moody. It is atmospheric. It is gorgeous. And there are great performances throughout. It's got Sigourney Weaver, Elijah Wood, um, Kevin, Kevin Klein, I want to... Kevin Klein, I think. Yeah. And it's very unexpected. And it, it is set at Thanksgiving. But this is a cold downer of a movie. Yeah. Now, that it's excellent, but you got to be in the mood for it. So if you're if so your maybe, home life is too happy, or yeah, or if you're like my fucking family drives me so crazy, nothing could be worse. Mm, watch yes. this and be reminded it could be worse. Yeah, seriously. Sometimes watching when you're low, watching something lower brings you up. I'm True. just saying. So, so so keep Schindler's List on tap. Yeah. So the Ice Storm. It is excellent, yeah. but it is not a happy movie. Moving more into happy tones, yeah. The Big Chill. Big Chill is good. Okay, it's a classic. I don't yeah. feel like we need to talk about it. However, I do feel like we need to mention it because we are now at the age where maybe people haven't seen it. I, th I, I think you are correct. And honestly, I have not seen Big Chill since it came out. 
I haven't seen Big Chill for probably 20 years. If you've not seen The Big Chill, it's, it is the quintessential early 80s adult ensemble film. And, and the ensemble is uniformly brilliant. And for the most part, it's very uplifting. They are, it's a group of friends who are reuniting because of the death of a common friend. Mm-hmm. So they come together for the funeral and then reconnect and are like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in so long. And touching back on their youth, looking at what their life is now, and therefore reconsidering their future. It's, it's really powerful. It's really great. If you've never seen The Big Chill, there is a reason it's a classic. Just go fucking watch the film. And then our final Thanksgiving film, which Melissa has not seen. I have not seen Pieces of April. And it's Katie Holmes. And what is delightful is that it's an unexpected film. She's the black sheep of her family. She's one of these alternative artist-looking girls. She's got tattoos. She's living in the big city. She's got this tiny apartment. But she is. she has determined and insisted that she is going to host her family's Thanksgiving night. Oh, okay. Also in the cast, Oliver Platt. Oh, okay. I'm watching this a lot quicker now. With Patricia Clarkson as well. See, all Fess had to tell me is Oliver Platt content, and I would have watched it right then. Fess has been trying to get me to watch this since uh, pretty soon after I met him, which was five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, all he had to tell me was Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt. So now, good. Thanksgiving is over, and it's time for you to look ahead to the holidays, but the last thing you want is to watch another fucking version of A Christmas Carol, or... But if you do watch A Christmas Carol, watch the Alistair Sim version. Please, seriously. Yeah. The Alistair Sim is the only Christmas Carol to watch. Yes. Or maybe your children are just driving you crazy with endless loops of a Charlie Brown Christmas, which I hate. Or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in all its iterations, and you're like, the kids have gone to bed, I need to cleanse my... Palette. Well, there's always the Chuck Jones Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Yeah, well, always the Grinch Who Stole yeah, Christmas. Yeah, but that, even that can good. get a that's little good. tiresome. But but dear God, not the Ron Howard one. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> and you want <laughs> the Grinch Who Stole Christmas with the voice of Boris Karloff? Yes, because there is a version out there with Walter Matthau, and God bless him, but he's no fucking Boris Karloff. So if you're looking for a non-traditional movie, real quick, we're gonna blast off the ones yeah. that everybody knows about. Die Hard. Die Hard. Everybody knows that's a Christmas movie. That's the everybody's go-to for, I want to watch a Christmas movie, but not a Christmas movie. Die Hard, then Gremlins. Boom, boom. Yeah. Bad Santa. Bad Santa, everybody knows about. Yep. And of course, my personal favorite, The Ref. The Ref is great. Because remember when Dennis Leary was in the glory of his stand-up days, and he was... And Kevin Spacey? Yeah... Just so quotable, so bitter. Oh, so delicious. She's so great. Just great. So yeah, the the that's your sort of obvious. Now, when you're done watching those, yeah. yep. and you want something a little bit different, but oh, still... and also Scrooged. Oh, definitely Scrooged. Scrooged. Totally. Mm. Yeah, mm, totally yeah. Scrooged. Totally Scrooged. Bitch hit me with a toaster. Yep. When yep. you're done with those, we have some other possibilities for you to consider. I'm going to start with my recent. Discovery, not that it's recent that I've discovered it, but I recently put together, this is a fucking Christmas movie, The Thin Man, which we have lavished love on on to before in this podcast. But The Thin Man cannot receive enough love, so we must lavish more love upon The Thin Man. William Powell and Myrna Loy, and they are drinking and want you to drink with them, so put the kids to bed and just cr- no, not even wine. You want to get out the hard stuff when yeah. you're drinking with Nick and you. You, you line up the martinis. Yeah, yeah. Line them up. One, yep. two, three, One, two, four. Th- yep. How many yep. has yep. he had? I need five right here in front of me. Thank you so much. You don't get to have another one till I catch up, buddy. Yeah, professional drinkers, all of them. Oh, I think we need to talk about trading places. Trading places is totally it's Christmas. Totally <laughs> Christmas, because eventually you do get Dan Aykroyd drunk in a Santa suit. I know! I know! (laughs) (laughs) Among other things. I mean, it's it's a brilliant comedy. It's a really, especially in these times, I feel like we need to go back to Trading Places and really look at what that movie was saying. Yeah. It's not only is it a Christmas movie, it's a great comedy, and it's a heist film in its own way. And it's got... 
Eddie Murphy at the height of his powers. It's got Dan Aykroyd at the height of his powers. It's, it's got, got Jamie Don- Lee Curtis. It has Denholm Elliott. It's got Don Amici. Don Amici and Den- Ralph Bellamy. And, the, the, and Oh, God, it's just so great. Oh, and, and it's John Landis before he disappeared off the face of the earth for a long while. Yeah. I mean, if you've never seen Trading Places, and again, I feel like we're now, it's far enough away from it that you can't just assume, well, of course you've seen Trading Places. Well, yeah. You need to see Trading Places. Well, we did a whole real education episode about it, too. I mean, I like it. Yes. Good. Yeah. 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 And I love that there's legislation called the Trading Places. And, and, and there's some sort of legislation that prevents the trading places heist from happening now. <laughs> okay. It's true. It's true. But they didn't stop insider trading. Yeah. Why well, that's kind of uh, different. But, but anyway. Okay. So trading places. I love the moment when they've brought Eddie Murphy in and they're asking him what trade he would make, mm-hmm. what business deal. And he makes the right call, but he makes it because of totally street reasoning. Yeah. And it's still completely logical and valid. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. this guy has smarts. Well, yeah. So let's see what happens now. It's such a great reveal. Well, I love how the movie systematically picks apart racism. Yeah. And and I mean, it, and it never feels like it's actively going after racism. Well, it is very actively racism going after classism. classism. It is actively going after classism, but it also picks after racism. And I, I love the scene where the brothers who own the stock exchange are trying to explain the commodities to Eddie Murphy. And they have that moment where the brothers try to talk street <laughs> to Eddie Murphy <laughs> and Eddie Murphy just looks straight at the camera. It's that, that knowing glance at the audience going, you see this? Are you fucking you, kidding you, me? You, you saw that, right? We all saw that happen. <laughs> You're with me here, right? Yeah. So moving on, one of the films that we have lauded many a time on this podcast yes. is also a Christmas movie and you, so therefore, you have no excuse not to watch it. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yes. Again, Robert Downey Jr., baby. <laughs> so great. And Shane, it's it's a Shane Black movie. Shane Black, if you're not putting the pieces together, directed Iron Man 3, which was excellent. And Lethal Weapon. And Lethal Weapon, which is also a Christmas movie. Ding. Because it's down here. Where is it? Where is it? Right here it's on right my here. list. Yep. Yep, Lethal Weapon and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but first Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So put them together as a double feature sometime. Yeah, ooh, yeah, ooh. Ooh, oh, yeah. Mm. You get Mel Gibson right at the height of his sexy 80s powers with yeah. the mullet, with the yeah. Mel Gibson feathered mel- and mullet. And before the Jew hate. Yeah, before before we needed to know too much about Mel Gibson. Yeah. When he was still just hot with those bright blue eyes. And we'll get to Lethal Weapon in a second. Let's pause for a yeah. second. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we've talked about a lot. Robert Downey Jr., and of course, a uh, 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 real genius. Uh, uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, crazy pants. Seriously, he, <laughs> crazy pants? He's Are the, we calling Val Kilmer crazy pants? He's the inheritor of the uh, Marlon Brando. It's true. Of it, the torch. It, it, it happened during the island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah, he handed off the crazy torch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping he doesn't go as far as Marlon Brando, but. Actually, I kind of hope he does because that'd be kind of fun to watch it it certainly be interesting and val kilmer is endlessly interesting val kilmer and it's a noir film but it's a comedy film there's <laughs> the finger getting cut off like the, oh with dog. the dog and there's really great commentary oh, on hollywood so as he reunites with his childhood friend and she's like oh my god she's so 29 trying to pretend she's 28 <laughs> well how old are you again i'm 28 Yay! And she's like fluffing her hair like, what? Yeah. I'm totally young. And just the superficiality and the comedy. Oh, it's so good. It's There's so many layers and you can watch it on the surface layer and it's great. You can pay attention to the meta-ness of it and it's great. And the script is so tight. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is the movie that reaffirmed Give Robert Downey Jr. a leading role. Yeah, it put him back on the map. Oh, look, I can do this. 
I can do it without cracking. I can yeah. do it without devolving back into a drug-riddled mess. Yeah, it was between that and Zodiac. Which came oh, out. which was also yeah, great. Which was amazing. Okay. So then, Lethal Weapon, and Lethal a, Weapon. a side note on Lethal Weapon, because I just watched 20 Feet from Stardom. Oh, yeah. Yep, okay. yep, yep. With Darlene Love. Mm-hmm. And Darlene Love, which, if you haven't watched 20 Feet from Stardom, that's a brilliant documentary, and, Dar- and Darlene Love's story is fascinating. And she is Danny Glover's wife. Yep. I, I'm like, holy shit, you totally are. Oh, my God. <laughs> And if you haven't watched Lethal Weapon in a while, and your memory of it has been tainted by the endless sequels, go back and watch the first one, because it's so good. It's very solid. It is so good, and, and heartbreaking, in fact, mm-hmm. because Mel Gibson's character is truly heartbroken in that film. It's just a great film, so put that together as a one-two double feature punch, and you're going to be a happy person. If you want something depressing, you could watch The Apartment. That's the Thanksgiving film. Well, it's it isn't isn't depressing. The Apartment is brilliant. It's brilliant. It, it it's a Billy Wilder movie. It's got it, Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, Shirley MacLaine, and it's utterly charming. Except that the main premise is somebody tried to kill themselves in the apartment. Yeah, and there's a lot of really uncomfortable sexual politics because of the time period that are well. It it. It, it's a very <laughs> progressive movie in a way. Oh yeah, but it, it I mean it very accurately it is displays the sexual hypocrisy of that era. Yeah, it is it is very def- it, it's, it's oddly feminist in that it is confronting what what the sexual reality is at the same time as it is totally condemning it. It's also a very funny movie, oddly enough. Well, it's uh, Billy well, Wilder. It, it's Billy Wilder. It's Billy Wilder really knew how to walk that line between comedy and drama. And The Apartment is one of the more perfect examples of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As long as we're back at the classics. Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart. I forget who else is in it. And it is, um, it's a story that's been made a million times. It was remade into You've Got Mail with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. It's the... We are pen pals who are in love with each other, and by sheer coincidence, we become co-workers who can't stand each other. I can't stand you in real life, but I'm writing love letters to you. So that's the trope. It's based on a Hungarian play, and what's interesting is that the Jimmy Stewart movie still uses the Hungarian names, and they are very Hungarian names. You're like, really? That's what we're calling him? Because really? <laughs> he's American. We all know that, right? It's a melting pot, Wendy. Um, the musical She Loves Me is based off of this. It's it's just a delightful movie. If you've never seen mm-hmm. it, it is, a, it is one of the perfect classic romantic comedies. And it will reaffirm your love of life. Watch it before you watch You've Got Mail. Seriously, it's it's so much better. Not that You've Got Mail is a total travesty, but Shop Around the Corner is delicious. Batman Returns. Batman Returns, which also contains Michelle Pfeiffer in a cat suit. Because who's not? What's not to like there? That is a Christmas present, people. <laughs> Meow. Because her half of the movie is great. The Danny DeVito Penguin stuff, you can fast forward mm, yeah, to. Yeah, not so much. Just watch all of the stuff with Max Shrek, the inimitable Christopher Walken. <laughs> with Christopher Walken, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Michael Keaton. And that stuff is gold. Yeah, it is. It is gold. Oh, my God. And the the whole mistletoe can be deadly, um, but a kiss mm-hmm. is deadlier if you mean it. That whole sequence. So good. <laughs> so good. What do you want for Christmas? I would like Michelle Pfeiffer in a cat suit. Or Michael Keaton really rocking a good Batman. Yeah. I mean, seriously, he's kind of hot. All right, so if we're going to so. talk 80s, then we're going to throw out quickly, Better Off Dead is totally a Christmas movie. <laughs> Yay! I love Better Off Dead so much. I love it. 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 I first saw Better Off Dead because it was playing on one of the movie channels, but not a movie channel we were actually subscribed to. Like, this was when there was, like... HBO 1, HBO 2, HBO 3. Yeah. And you could watch H and we were subscribed to HBO 1, but not HBO 2, but you could kind of see HBO 2, kind of. And so... <laughs> oh, and it's kind of green and it's all jagged and And there's stuff. Some, some fuzzy parts and it's coming in and out. And for, I don't remember how it turned out, but we were what... My mom stumbled on Better Off Dead in kind of the middle. And we're like, 
Oh, it's that guy. John Cusack. It's that guy. We like that guy. What is this? This seems funny. But it would cut it out. We're like, what just happened? I don't know. I couldn't see. And for the longest time, we didn't even know the name of the movie. Because this is before the IMDb when you could just look shit up. And so we're like, there was this movie that we kind of maybe saw, maybe part of. But it was good and we want to see the rest of it. What was it? It was Better Off Dead, which is so 80s. It, it, is it is so brilliantly 80s. It is so 80s. It, it's, it's a high school comedy drama thingy where the, the, the remarkable thing about Better Off Dead is it makes a comedy out of somebody who wants to kill himself. Yes. It takes suicide and it turns it into a comedy. <laughs> I recently showed it to somebody who... Uh, who had never seen it before. I went, oh my God, it's a funny, funny movie. And as we started watching it, I went, oh, that's right. This person I'm showing it to has had somebody close to him kill themselves. This is not a good idea. <laughs> oh no, I hadn't even thought oh, about no. that. Oh no. Oh no. Oh my God. This is bad. This is bad. Oh, they're playing stop, suicide stop, for stop. laughs. Stop, oh. stop, stop. But, but it if does a fairly the, good If you can job. accept the premise. Yeah, if you can accept the premise... It is actually a really funny, very surrealist comedy. Oh, very That's surreal. what I really appreciate. It's, it, it's, it's not just silly, it's downright surreal. It's bizarre. There's like a claymation sequence. There, it, there's just bizarre stuff happening. Yeah, and it's, and it's got John Cusack in it. Yeah. And he's, at, he's and, right at that adorableness that he yeah. had in the 80s, right when he was hitting it big. Where you just liked him so much. And then there's a stalker kid, the, the newspaper boy who just wants I his want my two dollars. And and there's and and the mother the mother the the older I get the more I appreciate the mother character. Raisins. You like raisins. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. And then there's there's the bit of cooking that just slides out of the plate and crawls off the counter like a slug. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's delightfully weird. It's, it's just unabashedly weird. Yeah, it's it's not trying to make sense or be realistic yeah. at all. Here's one that you may not have considered as, as a holiday movie, dear listeners, Brazil. Brazil. If your if your family is fucked up, here's a movie to remind you nothing could be more fucked up than Brazil. Yeah. Oh my god. And what's uh, what's the mother's name again? Oh god. Helmet. Catherine Helmet. Catherine Helmet. And her crazy ass facelift. Oh. Because how many oh. of us have had to endure listening to older relatives talk about their surgeries at the holidays? <laughs> <laughs> and watching that is really cathartic. Mm. Oh, I love Jonathan Price. I need more Jonathan Price in my empty life. I just want him to narrate my life to me. Yeah. He's got a great voice. It's the best thing about Jumpin' Jack Flash is his narration. He's the best thing about Miss Saigon. I never even saw the music. I I listened to the soundtrack of Miss Saigon once, and I never desired and never watched the musical. Yeah, it's... problematic it doesn't even begin to cover it yes but but moving aside miss saigon so let's talk about brazil briefly let's talk about again i feel like this is one of those films of we've all seen it we've all seen it right we we may not have connected it as a christmas movie if you haven't seen it this is one of those classic films that really really you need to go watch yeah okay and if you have never seen brazil make sure you watch the correct cut. Yeah, you need to watch the director's cut, not the theatrical. Right. The American theatrical cut is drastically different. Oh my god, yes. Because the studio saw the film and went, what the shit? This is, we, nobody's gonna, this is not gonna make us any money. This needs a happy ending. And, and Brazil is not a movie with a happy ending. Brazil oddly reminds me of Minority Report. I feel like Minority... Yes. Minority Report is the modern day comment on the Brazil, let's put a happy ending on something. Because when you watch Minority Report and the happy ending happenings, you're like, I feel like this happy ending isn't real. Thanks. Because, partially because I've seen Brazil. 
it's funny because I know Brazil is funny and I laugh at it a lot, but I don't think of it as a comedy because it is such a biting well, satire. It's a Terry Gilliam film. And they kind of exist in a universe unto themselves. Yeah, like the Fisher King. Yeah. Is that a comedy? I laugh at it a lot. But it's pretty dark at times, It's very dark. And Brazil is super dark. Brazil is awesomely dark. But it's also so bizarre that you're laughing at it. Like, what? what? The most daring thing you can be is an air conditioning repairman. Yeah, it's like a modern Voltaire story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah, that's yeah. a really good way of putting yeah, it. It's this grand satire, which is very funny. And then when you start t- thinking about it or, you know, overtly by the end, you just see it happen. Yeah, that's really fucking dark. It's, but you can laugh at the darkness. And you that's can. The point. Now, turning it around to one of my absolute favorite blow em up action, <laughs> just unapologetic. I'm a Fucking loud movie. Long Kiss Goodnight. God, do I love this movie. I love it so much. Gina Davis, Samuel L. Jackson. Fuck yeah. Before he was all Mr. L. Jackson. (laughs) I mean, he had burst onto the scene, but this was before he was, oh, it's fucking Sam the Man. Mm -hmm. And this movie is, I don't know if it's good, but I think it is. I don't care if it's good because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Moving on. Yeah. And unexpected as I was looking through the list of films. But I'm like, you're right. That totally is. Eastern Promises. True. Which. So David Cronenberg. And. Viggo Mortensen. Oh, Viggo. And you get to see him naked. Wasn't. Naomi Watts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. what was pointed out when I was reading through, like, the lists? Yeah. It starts with the birth of a baby and ends with the baby being named Christine. Oh. And interesting. It, and it is happening during the holiday season. Okay. And if you haven't seen Eastern Promises, it's a very violent, oh, very violent movie that nonetheless somehow leaves you feeling uplifted. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 a hopeful movie. It's very it's... dark about human trafficking and prostitution and the Russian mob that kind of makes you feel good at the end. And violence. And violence. There's so much violence. This is the famous I... movie where they have a naked fist fight in a sauna. Yeah. And it is brutal. There's nothing sexual about it. All you can think is... Those guys are going to kill each other. Well, the thing to, to keep in mind is it's directed by David Cronenberg, who is all about the body horror. And and the man knows how to relay violence. And I I really appreciate violence that doesn't feel glorified. Yeah, violence that makes you feel like, like this oh, is, uh, uh, is going to hurt. Yeah. This is going to have consequences. Yeah. And two naked men... Fighting in an environment that is all concrete and tile. And no, corners. And corners. Good God. N- nobody is going to walk out of there happy. Yeah. That's a whole lot of soft flesh meeting hard, hurting material. And especially all those little jiggly bits that you don't <laughs> normally see on and screen. There, and there's something so vulnerable about fighting in the nude. Yeah. And male nudity, which you never get to see because it's so sexual. Yeah. It's so sexual. Well, it's so taboo in American movies. You you know? Oh, my God, a penis. Oh, oh. And in this movie, it's not remotely sexual. Instead, it is being used as a tool to show you vulnerability and weakness. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's one that you might not have considered as a Christmas <laughs> movie. But when you think about it, of course, it's a Christmas movie. Life of Brian. <laughs> Bring us Brian. <laughs> I love that is my favorite scene in the movie mm. because you can tell that they are not holding it together. Oh, no. Michael Palin is <laughs> cracking up. He cannot get those lines out without without giggling. We, I have a great friend in Wolm. Big name big of dick of. I just oh my god that movie. We should do an entire episode about Monty Python because I could talk Monty Python. Most people don't know this, but I could talk Monty Python better than most people can talk Monty Python, which is really saying a lot 
considering the crowd we come from. That is... And which I, is a bunch I, of fucking festies. I do not doubt this in the least, actually. <laughs> Life of Brian isn't my favorite Monty Python film, but I, I do... I do I, love it. Yeah. I love that they took the Christ mythos and went, we're just going to tell the story of this guy over here. <laughs> you know, I found that as I age, I appreciate Life of Brian more and more. As I've become an atheist, I've appreciated my Life of Brian more and more. Ding. And people were so offended by it, and their offense just points up even more the truth of the matter, which is, why are you offended? The, the thing I find fascinating about several of Monty Python's films is that the weird historical accuracy that they have. I actually have asked medieval scholars on what is the most accurate screen portrayal you have ever seen of medieval times. And they go, Monty Python's Holy Grail. And he must be the of, king. How can you tell? He's, he's not, got co- shit all, all he's not covered in filth. Yeah. He's got shit all over him. But life of Brian is weirdly accurate to that time the portrayal of life during that movie is really weirdly accurate the thing with life of brian is if you have not been exposed to absurdist theater you are unprepared for monty python right and it will frustrate you because it looks like it's going to come to a narrative conclusion and then it keeps veering off Mm -hmm. and then it comes back and you're like okay now we're going to finish it right but then it never does And I encountered Holy Grail right at the time as I was discovering Absurdist Theater, Ionesco Mm -hmm. and Sam Beckett. And so it all worked together, so it was okay. But I remember the first time I watched Holy Grail, I was like, and it just... It just stops. It just stops. Ah! And then I went, I get it. Mm -hmm. And And so then I saw Life of Brian after that, which made it a lot... I can't imagine trying to watch Life of Brian without that context. And I love the random tangent into outer space there's aliens yeah what 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 but i love singing on the cross yeah and singing an oddly christian message (laughs) always look on the bright side of life that is a very christian message keep your chin up look on the bright side believe the best of people yeah that is a very christ-like message it's delightful and they're singing on a cross and with a little little dance routine with the little kicks okay throughout we'll move on quickly go go well how did you describe it well it's doug lyman who directed the born identity trying to do uh, trying to do quentin tarantino post pulp fiction yeah that's a good actor that, that, that's pretty much it yeah with teenagers yeah it's enjoyable it misses being a classic by this much yeah yeah but just by a little fraction of an inch it it it's poppy, it's fast, it's um very self-consciously inventive. Yeah. But it, I it, mean it's, it's good. Watch. It's, it's not it's watch. not remotely bad. It's just that it feels derivative based on the time it was made. Yeah. But, but go it, watch it and it does happen to be yeah. a it, holiday it, it, movie. It, it's got some verve and it just feels very self-consciously late nineties. Okay, so when you're done with the treacle of Christmas, mm-hmm. maybe you want a more self-conscious film. Mm-hmm. And Go could be that film. Yeah. Then there is, of course, <laughs> Rare Exports. Rare Exports. Which I have not seen. Oh, Wendy, star I, that. I we're, know. We're going to watch that. Rare I, Exports is a Scandinavian film. I can't remember which particular country. I think it may have been Swedish or Norwegian. I got it right in front of me. I'm I becoming remember. oddly fond of scandinavian films for all that they're also slightly cold and off-putting no 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 scandinavian film recent scandinavian films have been hitting it out of the fucking park in terms of genre that's true in terms of genre yeah yeah horror films out of that region crime films out of that region fan friggin-tastic rare exports is a lot of fun it is a movie that centers on a um a young child and his father, if I remember right, in a very rural community where, forgive me, it, it's been a couple of years since I've seen this, but if I remember right, they have reindeer nearby, and one day they all wind up being slaughtered. Oh. And 
long story short, there's some sort of supernatural entity that seems to be afoot. And it seems to be Santa Claus. Because if you really think about the Santa Claus mythology, it's kind of creepy. It really is. And Rare Exports works that a lot. Rare Exports treats Santa as a demon. I'm a fan. I invade your home. You cannot stop me. I know what you're doing. I am watching you. It's terrifying. From an adult perspective, Santa is a fucking creeper. Yeah. Rare Exports is a lot of fun. And it's on a lot of streaming channels right now, if I remember right. Yeah, it's totally on Netflix right now. You should be able to watch it fairly easily. Okay, so Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I'm going to just throw this out there in passing. If you haven't seen it, it's a brilliantly filmed 60s spy espionage flick. Yeah. And it's got Gary Gary Oldman. Oldman. What's not to like there? Also, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, before he became Sherlock. Before he really became Sherlock, before he really hit in sort of a smaller role, but utterly delightful. And I think this is... Honestly, this turn is going to do him more good than even, like, Star Trek or Smaug. Because I feel like he's going to get typecast as that guy. And this is more of a performance that shows he can just be real people. Yeah. And uh, also Colin Firth. Col- oh, Colin and, Firth. And Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy. It's a great And John cast. Hurt. Seriously, if you and, haven't... Tinker yeah. Taylor kind so of flew under the, under the radar. That cast is brilliant. It is a gorgeous, I said 60s, but it's really early 70s. Yeah, the late 60s, early 70s. And the production, yeah, Cold War, the production design is great. It's an espionage thriller. It's all that whole sort of who knows what, who's doing what, what's really going on. And it is dense. Very dense. And it, oh, so it's chewy. It's like really good French bread. You just gnaw on it. Yes. it's what? like it's like niche. Yeah, you know, it's like the meat of bread. What? What? Mm. What? Oh, I get it. Yeah. Oh, that's what was happening. And yeah, between Colin Firth and Gary Oldman, that it's is really a solidly anchored film. You, so, if you good. haven't seen Tinker Taylor, it's great, and it also happens to have a really beautifully awkward, like seventies office party. Yeah, <laughs> sequence. <laughs> Which brilliantly kind of highlights the sexism of 70s office parties. Yeah. Yeah. Just go rent it and enjoy it. Also, there was a 1980s version with Richard Chamberlain. No. It was made for TV. All right. Which leads us to our last. To the final one. We're ending on a strong note. A final holiday consideration for you. The Hudsucker Proxy. This actually may be my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Really? I think it really? is. Really? Even above Raising Arizona? Because it's so much, it's even more sweet. And it's got, well, it's got Tim Robbins. Well, yeah, Tim Robbins is pretty great. And, and I love the quirkiness of Raising Arizona, but I do get frustrated with the, um, oh, what's the big guy? Oh, John Goodman? John Goodman. I get frustrated with the John Goodman character. In the same way with um, uh, the dude, the big Lebowski, I get frustrated with the John Goodman character. Okay. And it's not that he's not a great character, he is. And the fact that I'm getting frustrated is actually testament to how well they're doing that character. But it brings me out of the movie. Okay. So the Hudsucker Proxy is a love letter to those screwball comedies of Katherine Hepburn and mm-hmm. Cary Grant. And, and also to Frank Capra movies. Yes. Very Frank Capra. So this is this is right in my wheelhouse of movies I love, and it's very meta, and it's the Coen Brothers, which I love, commenting on movies I love, and it's just, oh, it's so sweet. But it's not too sweet. It's not treacly sweet. It's, it's perfect. It's like a cupcake with just the right amount of icing. <laughs> mm, delicious. And Tim Robbins is so... Gosh darn adorable, and Jennifer Jason Lee is not nearly as annoying as she normally could be. It's got Charles Durning. Yes, yes, Charles Durning is always a win. And he's 
You're so cute and I love those little wings. I, I love how beautiful the movie is. It really Just to is. look at. The shot construction is astounding. And it really plays on that Frank Capra, everyman, common wisdom, common sense. Yeah. Sort of ideal. And it's so quotable and it just makes you feel good. I love the Hudsucker Posse. I do. <laughs> I do. A choice film for the holiday season. A choice film for the holiday season. What do you love about the Hudsucker Posse? You know, for kids. I love that he starts <laughs> with this random circle, you know, for kids, you know, for and kids. it's the hula hip. Yeah. And he ends with a random circle, you know. For kids. And it's I, a frisbee. <laughs> His greatest, brilliantest ideas are circles. <laughs> I made a circle today. I, I I love that simplicity that the circle can turn into. It, it, it's so general until you actually see the physical yeah. thing. Yeah. Because really, that is how marketing works. <laughs> and they get the pace of those old screwball comedies just right. And that banter just right mm -hmm. and you a muncie girl yes. <laughs> i bet my pulitzer on it i bet she's gonna bet her pulitzer on it i bet my pulitzer on it <laughs> so when you're looking for a film to uplift you but you don't really want to dive into the regular holiday waters i i entreat you to seek out the hudsucker proxy there were many, many options that there, are an antidote to the usual treacle of the holidays. It's true. And I am by no means dismissing the treacle of the holidays. I, I live for that shit. But the holiday season is now at least six weeks long, maybe possibly eight or ten weeks long if you start or, on October 1st. Or six months if you work in retail. Oh my god. So... I leave the truly Christmas movies to like the last week before Christmas. But if I'm wanting to start to feel it just lightly, then I start maybe with the Hudsucker Proxy or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or Long Kiss Goodnight. Or a, a proper slasher like Black Christmas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. There is a whole slew of holiday slasher yeah. films we could have yeah. gotten into as well. Yeah. So, this week we didn't have any listener answers, but we do oh. have a listener recommendation. Yay! This one came way back a ways, ways ago, like on episode 10, which is when we did our Star Trek versus Star Wars thing. <laughs> but uh, I love this comment that we got on it, because this is also a holiday comment. Perfect. This, this one comes from Noel Thingfall. Ooh, Hi, Noel. Hi, Noel. Great last name. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, his comment, I've never been able to pick between the two stars, being Star Trek and Star Wars. Every time I dive too deep into one, I drop out and find solace in the other. I am also a legit enjoyer of the holiday special. The Wookiee sitcom is bizarre. The film leads uncomfortable. And Harvey Korman makes me sad. But Art Carney and especially B. Arthur really brought it in their roles and slipped in a lot for the suffering of everyday folk experienced under the oppressive thumb of the empire. <laughs> also, One Last Round, friends, is a really catchy and moving song. I long for the day someone makes a fan video cutting the entire film saga to it. Oh. <laughs> oh. So let's raise one to be Arthur. Be Arthur. Arthur. I have a story about B. Arthur. B. Arthur, who who sustained us through the years of the Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Wars holiday special. Ding. So I did several shows with a director named John Command. John Command also happened to work on the Golden Girls in a variety yeah. of production assistant roles. I know that man's name. He he was also in the chorus of Hello Dolly. Okay. The movie. So oh. he, he got to work with Gene Kelly. However, okay. briefly. And so he was in the production side of um, Golden Girls. For, and so he got to know B. Arthur, like, on a friendly basis. They went to see a show together because somebody they knew was in it. And unfortunately, the show was terrible. <laughs> but you're obligated to nonetheless go speak to your friend after the show. And the friend comes up and says, 
to be Arthur and John Command standing right there. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, my God, I'm so glad you came. What did you think? Oh, God. And B. Arthur's response, and this is one for the ages, and you can all steal it. I know I have. Her response was, you should have been in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) And that is one of my favorite B. Arthur stories. As told to me by Mr. John Command, who has a wealth of such stories. Here's to B. Arthur, man. B. Arthur. Mm. She knew how to turn a phrase. Hot damn. So... Another thing you could also dig up would be the Star Wars Holiday Special. Star Wars Holiday Special, baby. And you know what? I love it. I really do. (laughs) What's not to love? I know, right? There is so... I saw it on TV when it originally aired. I did, too. That's right. Damn straight. Because we are that generation. Because we are that old. (laughs) (laughs) But we can still hold our liquor, kind of. Oh, yeah. Kind of. So this has been another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome, where we have offered you a wealth of alternative holiday options. I have been Wendy. That has been Melissa. And we will talk to you next week, dear listeners. Bye. 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 I'm going to finish my glass of wine now. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. His name was Brian. That's for all you Brians out there.